I am Pastor Jay, if you haven't met. It sounds like Pasta Jay so often to me, which is my favorite restaurant in Boulder. If you know my love language, it is food. Lots of food. And that Italian food from Pasta Jay's is my favorite. So when someone says Pastor Jay, I think I'm hungry for some <laughs> Italian food. But it's so good to be with you. This morning we are talking about community, obviously. No, I'm not going to preach from the couch the whole time. But that would be a challenge to keep your attention, I'm sure. But this is a really great spot for us to grow. We believe that here at Calvary. And I think as a community, we are pretty good at forming communities, but we can get better. And in fact, a few years ago, the elders and Tom and Thomas came to, at that time, the directors of Community Life and put us in a room and said, we want all of our our groups, our Bible studies to be about three things. We want them to be biblical communities on mission. And we're going to look at what that means for us as Calvary. Because we believe that biblical communities on mission help local churches and individuals grow in the likeness of Jesus. Simply put, that is what we believe about biblical communities on mission. How many of you saw the loneliness study that happened on NPR uh, this spring? It was really fascinating. Uh, maybe you tuned, tuned in, maybe you caught it online, but they did a huge of 20,000 Americans and asked them uh, to rate their loneliness factor as Americans. And it was fascinating. Over half of all Americans that were surveyed said they were some type of loneliness was going on in their life. Over half of all Americans said they were at some point, at some time in their present reality were lonely. Super interesting. 54% said that they always or sometimes feel like no one knows them well. 56% said this, reported that sometimes or always felt that people around them are not necessarily with them. They're isolated. They're alone. This is America right now. We're isolated and alone. And I think some of the repercussions of that are what we're seeing in our, our news cycles. That we are alone. Two in five feel like they lack companionship. That their relations aren't meaningful. And that they are isolated from others. And if those numbers hold true, I can't imagine this room. That half of us in this room feel lonely. It is my call, obviously, for us as a community to rally people around who would never step into community and grow in the likeness of Jesus. So I'm going to get off this couch. We're going to jump into the book of Acts. I'm an overachiever, and so I have a sermon outline in the back on sermon notes. You can, you can download it right now and follow along um, on the um, web version or up there in the back you can grab sermon notes do that while I pray we're going to jump into Acts 2 and look at the, one of the most profound statements of community okay let's pray Jesus I'm so thankful for these people so thankful that you are creating us to be a biblical community on mission in the larger sense as we have two campuses and we pray for a third and as individuals, as we continue to get better at 
building small pockets of community within Calvary, that we continue to plug people into this great journey we are on as Calvary family, that you, Jesus, would be glorified in what we do, what we say, how we live our lives um, coming this fall, that you would put in us a, a desire to build community, that we would be passionate about it, that we'd be people on mission with you. And Jesus, as we open up your word, oh gosh, I am so thankful for this thing. So thankful that we're not making this stuff up. That you have given us the way, the ingredients for, for, for flourishing in our own lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our churches. And Jesus, we look to you to speak to us today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So we'll be in Acts 2. If you've been around the church for a little while, you've seen this verse pop up as we sort of some of the uh, vision of what, what we do and who we are here at Calvary Bible Church. We think this is a really important section of Scripture to understand what it means to be biblical communities on mission. Remember, the bottom line is biblical communities on mission help local churches and individuals grow in the likeness of Jesus. It is for the fact that we want us to grow like Jesus, that we would get better at it. So since 01, I've been a believer, 2001. And for these 19, 18, almost going on 19 years, I have been fortunate to be around communities inside and out of communities. As, it's just one of the things, I know that's not everyone's story with the local church, but it's, it's my story. And it's been awesome. And I realized, thinking about community this last week, of where have I grown the most? And I couldn't tell you, because in community, day in, day out, weekday to weekday, God has continually chipped away at my own selfishness, my own pity, my own sin, and flourished me in community. I am here as a result today because of that. And I am choosing the things I'm choosing, and I get to participate in the life I get to participate in, not because I'm awesome. That's definitely not the case. Not because I have it all figured out. Trust me, friends, I have very little figured out. It is because God has kept me in community. And my friends have sharpened me over and over again when I was pig-headed and bull-headed, when I was selfish and they knew it, when I was sad and lonely, they were there. And they are the reason why I have grown more and more year after year in the likeness of Jesus. And that is idyllic. I get it. I'm one of the very few who have experienced that. But if we look in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, we see the same for these believers. Acts 2 is this really famous passage that you've probably read a million times before. In 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing to the needs, proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their home, and they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So Luke is writing two two epics of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. The first epic is what Jesus has done. That's the Gospel of Luke. He historically, scientifically puts together Jesus' story to reach a Roman, a wealthy Roman, non-Jewish, Gentile audience. And he wants you to know what it means to follow Jesus and what Jesus has done on your behalf. And then he changes the course right after Jesus comes out of the grave three days later. We just sung about it. And now what the Spirit can do in the life of the believers and what they did do, what the Spirit did do in the life of believers going into the book of Acts. Actually, Acts is poorly titled in most Bibles. It's called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It is the demonstration the demonstration of what the Holy Spirit accomplished in the first church. And the first church is. And here's the thing you've got to read about Acts. There are normal people. Really normal people. In fact, I know that because if you read the epistles, they're doing everything wrong usually. And they're the, the Holy Spirit is catching their attention again to do things right. Get them back in line to what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish through local churches. And so here, we find that they're doing four major things. In Acts 2.42, they are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the, breaking, the koinia, that's the Greek word there. It's a, it's a robust word of fellowship. And then to the breaking of bread, which most believe and assume that's the Lord's Supper. So they're taking the Lord's Supper together and to prayer. Those are the four pillars of what the local church should be about. That if once those, one of those pillars goes away, the local church really gets wounded, wobbly, and dissatisfied. And here in Luke's account of the first church, it seems really idyllic. In fact, after 19 years, almost 19 years of community, I can say this. I've never experienced what they experienced in Acts 2. The ideal community. Never. Never the camaraderie of, uh, of selling your possessions and giving it to them. Never seeing like really signs and wonders come upon the apostles. Never, never seeing that the Lord added to their numbers daily and extreme numbers would come to know who Jesus was because of this first church. But, I don't think that's the purpose when we read Acts 2. Because if you notice with me in Acts chapter 2, at the beginning, you see the Holy Spirit is poured out onto the believers. And then if you turn your page, like it's in my Bible, here's Acts 2.42. It's the newly formed church 
the explosion of the freshness of the Holy Spirit on believers, that they were all together. And Luke never means for us to go back to this. He wants us to go forward in knowing this is what the Holy Spirit can accomplish in our church. That's what I think is happening. And so here at Calvary, when we talk about biblical communities on mission, we are looking at the ideal in order to achieve it. But knowing, knowing, it will never be complete until the Lord Jesus comes back and puts us all once again into community. But here's some principles for biblical communities on mission. We see the ideal play out in real tangible ways through the Gospel of Acts. And here's what happens. First, they were biblical. We catch this in many communities, but there's really a special one. It's the Berean community. So turn with me to Acts 17. In Acts 17, there's a really small passage that I just love dearly. And here's what's happening. Let me catch you up to speed. Paul and Silas are traveling the Roman world, visiting synagogues, preaching the good news, developing communities. And they come to a place called Thessalonia. And there they get persecuted and are kicked out. And they flee to a town called Berea. It is a small, no-name town on the map. In fact, most maps wouldn't have it on its map. It is so small that it's very insignificant. But something very powerful happens. In verse 10 of chapter 17, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And then they arrived and went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see these things were so. Many of them believed with not a few Gentile, uh, Greek women or high standard standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too. So what we catch really quickly is Paul's short, quick stop in this town called Berea. And here's the point. We need to be willing to, sorry, here's the point. Be humble Christians, be humble examiners of the scriptures, just like the Bereans. Don't stop being students of God's word. The Bereans teach us this. They teach us what it is to be humble examiners. As you notice in chapter 17, they are examining the scriptures eagerly, with all eagerness, ready to understand if Paul and Silas are correct and how they are reading them. In biblical communities on mission, we can learn from the Bereans. Be a Berean. When you get into a community, examine the scriptures. You should always be questioned, is that true? Where is that found? What, did God, what is God up to here? Where can I find that? How do I know this plays out right? And be a person, a student, humbly examining the scriptures. We find that not only should we be biblical, we should be a community. Not just any community, a community that has fellowship, the breaking of bread into prayer. We find this in Acts 11. 
Acts 11 has a great community in Antioch. They're one of the newly formed churches outside of Jerusalem. They're a powerful and big major player in the church going to all the world. They're an ascending church. But they're a church that knows community. Acts 11, verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So there's a great famine debate happening, and so Antioch gathers their resources. Does anyone could contribute and what they contribute? And they send it on its way to Judea, to the local church. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Here's what we learn about the Antiochs, the Antiochians. Be willing to meet friends' needs, just like the Antiochians. Here's the most interesting thing about this passage. is who they get to send the resources. Barnabas and Saul. And just a couple of chapters before this, just a couple of years before this, Paul was in Jerusalem persecuting the church. He was the one holding the robes as they killed Stephen. In fact, he's not trusted still. That's why he's probably in Antioch. is because it's the brothers and sisters who have taken him in, who are saying, okay, we, we know your life is different. We know you're part of us now, so come with us. But now when Jerusalem is in need, they say, we can, cool, we can kill two birds with one stone. We can take care of the famine and we can build our brother Silas up in front of the Jewish church. And so they send him along to hand over the money. What would it have been to be a community builder at this time? To know that it's not about you or them. It's about us. And looking for opportunities to speak life into one another, to, to give life to one another, to shape life with one another. And they do it very simply by saying, Barnabas and Saul can take it. This will smooth out waters. Usually when you're in need and someone comes to your relief, they become high on your friend status, don't they? But here at Calvary, we want to be biblical and we also want to be community, thinking about others' needs. Not community takers, but builders. You don't know how often I get this request about uh, jumping into life groups. Someone says, I want to jump into life group. I'm like, that is great. That is great. I would love for you to be. How can I help? What nights of the work? Well, I would like this. I would like Thursday nights, every third Thursday of the month. I would like it to be a pet-friendly home because I like pets. I would like to be gluten-free. That would be great. And I would like to study the book of Colossians. That's it. Well, what if we don't have those? Oh, I can't do it then. I can't do it because it's about my needs. I want the community that I want, not the community I need. I can't tell you, friends, how many times I've been in groups that set off for the ideal. One of them was a bunch of biblical scholars at my, my, my undergrad put together a group of underclass men, and they invited me to it. 
And they set out on this great ideal mission that we would be passionate about the word. We would be praying together, that we would be examining the scriptures together. And we would do this week to week, month to month. And it'd be great for all of us to get together. Here's the problem. Most of them were biblical experts. Most of them didn't have very many needs anymore. And most of us were pretty selfish and reclusive by gathering ourselves and our biblical understanding, our thoughtfulness on how to form community and not helping those who probably weren't even close to us. Some of the best communities I've ever been in. Here's the ingredient. Very few of them know how to even open up their Bibles. Very few of them know where major parts of Scripture are, are at. Many of them are broken, bruised, hurting, and on the ropes. These have been the best communities I've ever been in. You know why? Because they were challenging me by asking those simple questions once again. They were challenging me on my dependency upon God because they were super dependent upon God. They were challenging me to give of myself sacrificially because their marriages were broken and I had to show up in the midst of crisis after crisis. And it's not because they were all put together that we grew. It was the willingness and eagerness to be a part of each other's lives that really flourished our community. Those are my favorite communities. Those are the ones that I'm challenged with. I'm challenged with the talker too much. You know, the one who always has an opinion about something or goes down the rabbit trail, a tangent about some, you know, high horse or soapbox that they're really passionate about. And that is where the Holy Spirit uses me to keep my mouth closed, to pray, and to respond graciously. And those moments after moment form me into the likeness of Jesus. Not the ones that we have it all together. Those don't. It's the rawness when we are meeting each other's needs. That's when community flourishes. Okay, the third ingredient of biblical communities on mission that we see in Acts 2 is that they were on mission. Of course, the Lord added to their number day by day as those who were being saved. The, the gospel was going out. They were on mission. In Acts 20, we see this on mission. Later on, as the church goes out from Jerusalem and Antioch into Ephesus, and there is one of Paul's most beloved friends and communities, the Ephesians. And Paul knows that he's about to have to go back to Jerusalem and be actually probably arrested and put to death. He knows that's coming. He knows that is where his north is heading. He knows this is his mission. But before he does, and on his way back to Jerusalem, he ends up in a town called Miletus. And there he calls the Ephesian elders, his beloved friends, his true community to come visit him one last time. And there Paul shares in Acts 20, he shares with them his mission and what, he, what God has done through him. And finally he gives them a warning of what it is to be a community that doesn't have Paul anymore in their midst. 
what it is for their friendship to be severed permanently. And what it is to be a community on mission. And here's what they do. In verse 36, and when he said these things, when he gave them final instructions, when he gave them his story, when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Communities on mission, knowing that they full well could say, Paul, 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 you don't have to go. You don't have to do this. Just stay in our community. Be a part of us. Be teaching. You can write letters. You can do whatever you want. No. They get together, just like the ideal community. They pray together, which is one of those key ingredients. They hug, they kiss, and they walk them to the ship. On mission. The joy of biblical communities on mission is when you're meeting in your life group and all of a sudden, a couple says, hey, we've been praying for the last six months. We think we need to start a new group. And you know that's going to sever some of those intimate friendships and intimate conversations. But you also know that the mission is far greater. That is what it means to be a biblical community on mission. Passionate about the gospel going forth. Passionate about the things we just sung. The resurrected king being resurrected in us and going forth into all the world, into our neighborhoods, and helping form these communities that are on mission. I love the Ephesian church because they would not only kiss and say goodbye to Paul with heavy tears. They walk him to the ship to say and see and never see his face again. Biblical communities on mission. One of the crazy things about this is I can tell you for a fact, when someone comes up to me, a great life group leader says, you know, our, our life group's in a season where we're closed we're not taking anymore. We, we found our community. We think we're the, a great community. We're going to grow together. We're going to be in a season of growth together. And we're going we're gonna to be a closed group, not accepting anyone. I know within six months, that group is going to blow up. Guaranteed. Because I've been in groups like that. And you know what happens? The Holy Spirit gets a hold of that group. And breaks them apart for a greater purpose. That the glory of Jesus is not so that you can find your community and be there the rest of your lives and be at peace and know these people and know exactly what's going on and be in a safe, comfortable environment. Yes, those are good at moments. Especially when people are dying, going through cancer, loss of loved ones, loss of jobs. Those are great times for your community to close and get around people and prop them up. But it's not supposed to be permanent. The mission of God is permanent. 
We must go forth into all the nations. And I guarantee you this. Jesus and his spirit care a lot about that. So much so that they're willing to break your friendships up for it. And to challenge you to get out of the box. And get into the game. And get into communities that are super messy and don't look like you. The best part about Acts 2 is the things we don't see. These were people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Every part of the city were there. Across the tracks, beyond the tracks. Educated, uneducated, women, children. And guess what was happening? They were flourishing in community. Not because they were the same but they had the same mission. Here at Calvary, I think community represents this. I was at Home Depot this week, and this is Rock Candy Ruby. This is a standard plant we plant outside in our HOAs to make uh, our, our gardens look really beautiful around our signs, you know, like Collier's Hill or Grandview or wherever you find your HOA at. And they're super easy to take care of and the perennials, and perennials are on sale right now because it's a great time to plant them because they're going to come back next year. And they get the roots developed before the fall hits. It's an interesting plant, though, because it was really wet on Wednesday when I bought it. And I haven't, I haven't watered it on purpose. See, it's become really dry. And I think this is a great illustration for communities here at Calvary, biblical communities here at Calvary, because here are the key ingredients, the soil, the prayer, the reading of Scripture, the friendships, the community, the mission, the, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, are all key ingredients. And then Jesus makes it grow. He breathes life into it, breath into it, keeping it vibrant and healthy. But here's the thing. Community would be the water. Because these plants love water and they grow in water. But the water doesn't stay long in them. So they have to keep getting water over and over again. About every other day they should be properly watered. Because they drain really well so they don't get rotted. The roots don't get rotted. They stay really pretty healthy as a plant. But they still need constant watering just like we need constant community. That we are people that get planted in great soil and then we jump into communities and get watered on a weekly basis so that we can sustain growth and health and vibrancy. And so we, we withstand the hell storms and the winds and the scorching sun that we, we can stand the troubles of our lives because we have been watered by our community and our roots are healthy and vibrant. But don't take my word for it. I want to invite some friends up here. Steve and Cindy Norman, will you come up here? Give them a hand. And I'm cool to invite them up here, not only for two reasons. First reason is that they've been in base camp for three cycles now, which is pretty awesome. They attended a base camp and then they started two base camps and then they moved into being base camp facilitators. Now you might, you might be new here to Calvary. You might not know what base camp is. Base camp is a 10-week experience that years ago we wrote 
here at Calvary, you did, actually. Not very many trained professionals, not many paid staff wrote base camp, actually. And we said, what are the core elements of what it means to grow in the gospel? What it means to flourish as a community? What does it mean to be on mission as a family here at Calvary? And then we created three experiences. We have the serve experience where we serve all together one week. We do prayer. We pray one time together. Like that's all we do one night. It's really crazy and fun. And then we, we uh, evangelize. So we have a share your faith week. And then we put them in this package of this notebook, and then we launch our life groups, basically. Any, if you want to be in a life group, if you want to start in a life group here at Calvary, you start with base camp because we think it's the key ingredients to help you grow in your faith here at Calvary and shape communities. So they did three, three cycles of that, and then they moved on to be base camp facilitators, helping coach, not move on, base camp facilitators, helping coach facilitators. So my question to you, you two is if someone has been long in their faith, have been a Christian for a long time, but have never stepped into community here at Calvary, why should they step into hosting and helping with base camp? Well, um, Ooh, is it on? Good. Uh, for me, it, for me, um, Base camp, I learned, it was a really great way for me to learn through experience because I learned by doing. And um, I also learned that discipleship is meeting people every week and um, praying together and, and uh, working through those difficult questions in the Bible. And it's just been such a great experience to watch myself learn and to be more consistent in how I'm studying and praying because I want to be ready for the discussion during the week. And it's really helped me to grow more in my faith than ever in my whole life. And um, for me to answer that question, um, I'm going to say sometimes, sometimes, uh, base camp is not so much about the knowledge. Um, I think a lot of us has walked, with, when we've walked with Jesus for a while, we know most of the answers. The thing that base camp does is it helps you put those answers into action. Um, from our service projects that Jay was talking about to uh, the night where we sit and we pray for each other, which is really awesome. Um, and to, to just watch how God starts to build that little community of 10, 15 people. Um, I would say this too if you're believing you're thinking about it, is that uh, you have a unique experience with God that, that you might be able to share with some of those people who don't. And I think that God has, you are a tool that God has here in Erie, Colorado that he wants to use. Yeah, one of my great things also, so I said one of my things is y'all been facilitating for so long. Cindy has just come on staff this week as coordinator of Community Life. And one of the great results of Base Camp actually. Um, who knew a year and a half ago that you'd be here, right? No. That you would be helping me figure out this mess of community. Yeah. So what has been your probably highlight experience of jumping into a base camp over these years? Well, first, before I answer that, I just want to say I'm really thrilled to be here and to be sharing what's become a passion for Steve and I because the community has meant so much to us, all the people we've met in base camp. And we want that for you, too, in yeah. your life. 
Um, one of my favorite things um, just happened last week. We were discussing the Good Samaritan uh, talk that Thomas gave us last week, and we have a group member who has been through a really incredibly difficult year this past year, and she said that um, base camp has been the Good Samaritan in her life and mm. saved her life. Mm. So that um, really meant a lot to us that we had made all of us a difference in her life. And I guess for me, the highlight um, is I love to see how God opens the eyes of his kids to who he is and what he wants to do in them. I love that. Um, this, the first group that Cindy and I helped facilitate was uh, consisted of four women and myself. It was my little <laughs> ladies' Bible study. Kind of weird, but whatever. Um, but the, the second week we meet, that's when you start digging into the book a little bit. And uh, one of the gals came in, she was a younger gal, and she says, boy, do I have a lot I want to talk about this week. She opened up her book. Um, inside of it, you can see, literally, there was 20 little sticky notes everywhere. There were arrows. She had things written in the middle of her book. She had some really tough questions. And uh, I like that. And I like how God revealed himself through that study. It just continues to reveal, not just to her, but to all of us. Cool. Yeah, speaking beyond base camp, someone who wants to jump in in a community here at Calvary, like women's study, men's study, um, getting involved in the community at large, biblical communities on mission, they're on the fence. What would you tell them if you could tell them anything? Well, base camp, it's great to get more knowledge, but part of why we do it is to help other people too. And it's really cool when you see other people grow. You know that God's growing you, but you don't always see it in yourself. So um, it's really sh cool to share what you know with other people too so that they can grow in their faith. Sorry, what was the question, Jay? Really what would forgot. you tell someone sitting on the fence? Thank you. Now I remember. Um, I am a professional fence sitter. And I can tell you if you sit on the fence too long, you're gonna get splinters. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want splinters, you need to get off the fence. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I um, prayed pretty earnestly for a year about a place to go to church, um, about a place we could serve, and especially about people that we could build close friendships with. Uh, so we came, we visited here, we liked it. We jumped in, we jumped into base camp, and in a way, I guess we've never left that. Um, and as we stepped into God's plan, he had a place just for Cindy and I. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, that started with base camp. And I hope that you guys will look at base camp as a place to start your journey here at Calvary. Sweet. Thank you, Normans, for being up here. Give me a hand. So here's what's going to happen next. We're going to just dismiss out to the Connect Expo. Be like someone last week. If you've been around here at Calvary a long time and you're not in the life group, or maybe God's calling you to step out of your life group and get on mission, um, be like what I got last week of a faithful Calvary attendee who's been here for years, put their name down and said, we want to help start new communities here at Calvary, biblical communities on mission. You can do that by clicking on the serve 
part here. I'm looking for eight attendees or members of Calvary who would say, we want to start new biblical communities on mission here at Calvary. I'm also looking for about 200 people to jump in to base camp this fall. So here's how you would do it. You can text 474747 community and you receive the community life profile and that lets us help us know where you live, who you are, what are you looking for in a community to help better match you with the community so you can flourish. So if you want to jump into base camp this fall, text that. You can click on the box. You're going to get the same link basically to the community life profile. So might as well just text it this morning instead of wait for an email from me. Or you can go online to calvarybible.com slash basecamp. But if base camp is not for you and you're just a woman and you want to do a woman's study with other women, that is awesome. On Mondays, nights, and Thursday mornings, they're going to go through the book of Colossians. This is the book they're going to go through this year. You should join in. On the connect, sorry, on the connect side of the sheet, click women's study. They're going to go through the book of Colossians. Don't forget, we have mops. We have plenty of room in mops and moms next. Mops is for the moms who are on the ropes with little ones at home who need a community, people around them to pray for them, to encourage them, to lift them up. And moms next is from anyone with kids from elementary to high school. Moms who might have an opportunity to come on Tuesday mornings and hang out with other moms and jump into community. And then also we have men's ministry has a group starting this fall, on Thursday mornings, we're going to be going through the core 52, the 52 basically principles of what it means, what the scriptures are really talking about, the 52 verses that really have shaped the life of the believer. And it's going to be great. And you can jump in on Thursday morning with that. But if you're interested in community, I would encourage you to step forward in the Connect Expo right now. But before we dismiss you, I want you to stand up. And let's pray. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for clarity. Let's pray together. And Jesus, I come before you thanking you for my community. I ask that you would clearly articulate to this, the, my friends out here, where they need to step into community here at Calvary. How they need to step in. As facilitators, as leaders, as participants, Maybe someone is in the room who's never been known around here and finally gets known today. We pray for boldness and conversations now in the Connect Expo that will help us point to you, Jesus, as we live in likeness of you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. See you at the Connect Expo.